the people who push conspiracy theories are not always low status. It's not just a reserve of paranoid losers. Often, you know, you get them from from governments or other official bodies as well, because, you know, the psychological biases that, that give rise to them are the same for all of us. On the 6th of November 1966, Paul McCartney died in a car crash and he was replaced in the Beatles by William Shears Campbell. Now that's not actually true, but it hasn't stopped many people to believe that it is. This theory is just one of many conspiracies that I discussed with John Elledge, co-author with Tom Phillips, of a book on their history. We talk about whether we're living in a simulation, JFK and Abraham Lincoln's assassinations, crop circles and many, many more, but as you heard from John at the top there, it's not always internet obsessives who push these ideas. John Elledge is a journalist and author who's written for The New Statesman, The Guardian, and writes a regular substack, which I highly recommend. Links to what we discussed are in the show notes, including his book. As it's the Christmas season, I'm so generous I decided to drop plenty more episodes than normal. So coming up, I've got Winston Churchill with David Reynolds. The Film Club deals with the much maligned Napoleon. Tom Petch and Gavin Mortimer thrash out who started the SAS. And there is much, much more. So please, please share, rate and review. Until then, I'm going to hand you over to me and John Elledge discussing the history of conspiracies. John Elledge, welcome. It's absolutely great to have you on. And I'm talking to you because this being a history podcast... You've written a, a a very a very enjoyable history of conspiracy. The title is Conspiracy: A History of Bollocks Theories and How Not to Fall for Them. That 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 the title clearly gives your view of what you think of conspiracy theories. I assume. Ah uh, yes, I mean, I, I, firstly, I should say I, I co-wrote the book with a chap named Tom Phillips. Um, so it's important to kind of get that in early on, partially because uh, he's brilliant uh, and a lovely man and was great to work with, uh, and partly also because it kind of gives me a way out and the ability to say, oh, I didn't write that bit, that was Tom, um, <laughs> whenever you ask any difficult questions. But it was, I, I didn't pick the title. The title was kind of, I think originally it was called Debunked or something, but it's sort of the third in Tom's done a little mini-series. The first one was called Humans, A History of Buggering Everything Up, or was that effect uh, the next one was called truth i can't remember the subtitle uh and this and this is the third and he was a bit busy with the day job at that point so i kind of got plugged into the the process to be honest i mean the it, i do I, I do think a lot of the book, theories in the book are on bollocks uh, not to put too much finer point on it but also it, it was slightly a title selected by our publisher's marketing team on the grounds that it what what would grab people's eye in a branch of WH Smith's travel. So it is slightly a commercial decision as well. Well, it's a perfect stocking filler, but when I was reading uh, early on, there's this brilliant graph, which I wish you could own up for having created, but actually I don't think you did. No, no, it's the one, the one, I'm just going to find it. It's the one, the one visual in the, in the book. Everything else is our own words. For listeners, I'm going to put this in. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Abby Richards is the name of the woman who who came up with it. The conspiracy chart. Yes. It's absolutely perfect. I think. Well, actually, I should hesitate to say the word perfect, but it is close to perfect. (laughs) It it sums up exactly because 
So I wanted to start off by asking you, really, um, for listeners, we should probably settle on how we define a conspiracy theory, because for listeners' benefit, and for John, for your own benefit, actually, I've just, for those listeners who've not listened to the episode just a couple of weeks ago, we we have a regular film club where we talk about a film based on history. And we picked JFK to coincide with the 60th anniversary. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is it's the a, longest... It's a great film. It's a terrible piece of history. Abs- that was the conclusion that I made. Uh, my my counterpart, who I do with a, a, a filmmaker, he's a little bit more persuaded. So he appears on your graph, or not your graph, Abby Richards's graph. <laughs> Uh, he appears there. He's he's a believer in the conspiracy. I always used to be, but I don't. I, I know I, I'm convinced that Lee Harvey Oswald did it. But anyway, let's just move away from JFK. We'll come back to that later. But it's interesting. I Should think... I describe this chart in some way, just so people know what we're talking about? Yes, please. So, I mean, we, we one of the early chapters of the book is literally called "What Is a Conspiracy Theory," because we thought it would be quite useful to define to define terms. And we kind of like look at a couple of different typologies, I suppose. That's not quite the word I'm looking for, but ways of categorizing. And one of them was uh, summed up by this 2021 chart by uh, by Abby Richards, which has grounded in reality at one end. And it's stuff like, you know, Watergate. What else is there? The, the Tuskegee experiment, you know, stuff that's actually stuff that actually happened, basically. <laughs> And and it kind of expands out. You've got the next bit is leaving reality. The third bit is reality divine, uh, denial. Then there's the anti-Semitic point of no return. And at the other end, it's detached from reality. And you get things like QAnon and the deep state and Holocaust denial. And it's just kind of a way of kind of categorizing conspiracy theories from quite real at one end to completely fucking batshit at the other. There's another way of kind of... Uh, working through the different types which we talk about in the book which starts with um i think they're called event conspiracies where it's like quite focused ones uh so like jfk is actually a maybe not jfk maybe that's a bit too i don't know the, de- the death of princess diana there you go that's a similar one which is like you know it's it's quite some of those theories are mad but it's quite simple it's about it one thing doesn't involve a space yeah exactly uh, um, but then there's kind of you can expand out from there to to um, what's the one in between now? I know the oh god, I should have. Had more well, I'm looking at it right system. now. So that what the global warming hoax, maybe five G, or am I going too far? Uh, well, that's, so I was trying to think of the, the headings. The next one is um, oh, oh sorry, we have questions. Unequivocally false, but mostly harmless, or dangerous uh, to yourself and others. Or are we going speculation line, leaving reality, reality denial, and then the answer? Oh, sorry, I'm talking. I've got I've moved on to a different thing. That's the problem. Oh. Um, sorry. Um, you can go from event conspiracies, which are quite straightforward, through things called which are categorised as systemic conspiracies, where where you're kind of dealing with um, things that explain lots of things at once, to to things like QAnon or the Illuminati, which are referred to as super conspiracies, which is where like all of these different systems kind of get involved and bang into each other. Uh, the reason, so, so so like, you know, anything happening in the world today can plausibly be explained by QAnon. If you are down that rabbit hole, um, you know, the war in Ukraine or the war in the Middle East 
or, or what's happening with, with energy prices right now. All of these things could probably be traced back to Donald Trump's efforts to overcome a ring of left-wing paedophiles working out of a Washington pizza restaurant basement. The reason we felt it was important to kind of work through a couple of these different kind of taxonomies, that's the word I was looking for, different kind of taxonomies, is because one of the things we bang into a lot in the book is that there are a lot of conspiracies that actually happened. Like some of the some of the things, some actual history sounds completely mad. Like if you had gone up to someone in like 1913 and said there's going to be a world war, there's going to be a massive European conflict next year because of a group of people currently meeting in some Serbian coffee shops planning to assassinate the heir to the Austro-Hungarian throne. That would sound as mental as anything that anyone's ever said about JFK. But that was real, you know. So, so like we, one of the, the things we kind of we, we banged into a lot in the planning of the book is like how to deal with the fact that some conspiracies are real. Like, are they still conspiracy theories or are they something different? Well, I mean, f- first thing I'd say is that that's what I really enjoyed about the book is there is a lot of uh, there's very much an awareness of historical fact. There's, I don't know if you've studied history as a uh, undergrad degree or something. You clearly have a oh, grasp. No, my, my degree is English, but I'm a nerd, so I, I read a lot of history. Well, it comes comes over, but yeah. So I was going to ask you about this because because I would I would assume that in order for a conspiracy theory to you know to be defined as we know it, it has to only be a theory. It can't be true because then it's no longer a theory. I I don't know. You get into semantics. Because, like, I mean, I don't know, gravity is a theory or evolution is a theory. Um, but they also, so far as we understand it, facts. And obviously a scientific theory is slightly different. But I still think you could say, like, um, OK, here's a, here's a solid example, actually. One of the chapters from the book, which, which I, I wrote, um, largely because it's so far out of my comfort zone of the stuff I normally write about and I thought it'd be fun, was the one on conspiracies about celebrities. Uh, like you know, Paul Paul McCartney died in a car crash in 1960. I loved reading that because I'm reading the four three two one book by Craig Brown right now. So it's, uh, Craig Brown, I've probably not got the name right, but anyway. Oh, sorry. I've not read that. Is that a new Beatles book? Yeah, yeah, about two years ago. Very good. Huh. Yeah, no, I, I mean I've I've been obsessed with the Paul is dead things. It's like that's one of the things I discovered when I was first on the internet in like 1996 and they didn't believe it as far as I remember but I just found it quite interesting that this kind of like all the you know all the clues people found on these like you know obscure US album covers and so on but I wrote that chapter and when I was planning it I decided you know when I was structuring it I decided to end on the theory that was then current that Britney Spears was basically being held prisoner by her own family and professional management um, for for contractual reasons. Uh, and she had revealed, this had been revealed to fans uh, through like secret signs, such as like an Instagram post where the text just didn't read like Britney. And it sounded like somebody was now writing her social media for her. And there'd been all this conspiracy theorizing and so on. And, you know, I wrote this one up and the plan was always to kind of end on a sort of surprise, surprise flourish of going, aha, but the twist is, we believe this one. We think this one's actually true. And the slight problem was that between the first draft and it going to the publishers, 
it came out that it was in fact true and she was being held prisoner by this thing called the conservatorship and basically the conspiracy theorists on that occasion were completely correct so the point between like this mad theory appearing online and it turning out to be true was that a theory or not because if you if you argue that it's only a conspiracy theory if it's if it's bullshit then that is not a conspiracy theory but as far as we knew at that point it was uh, yeah, I don't necessarily mean bullshit, more unproven. Unproven. Okay, yes. That, 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 I think that fits better, but it gave me an opportunity to kind of do the Britney Spears feel, so I'm happy with that. Well, the Paul McCartney uh, chapter I just loved because I think everyone knows about the barefoot across Abbey Road. That's probably the most, uh, yeah. is that just me? I think that's the most famous sort of example the, the specific example of the the, the conspiracy but it's beyond, yeah well beyond also, that. yeah no it's, it's so like that so like one part of the theory was um well he's not wearing his shoes and that's because they don't bury people with shoes which is not true they do bury shoes with i was gonna say yeah there's a, there's a car in the background which i think uh, on the number plate is 28 if 28 if that is the age paul mccartney would have been at that point if he had survived the problem being that at that point he would have been 27. So like the other the other problem with this theory, of course, is that we know who made it up and we know why. Like you can date it to a specific point. I think it was a radio show host and so who bored late at night. Um, and there was, there, there, I think there was, I think it was campus gossip uh, at somewhere in um, Michigan. I can't remember the name of the university city, but people were making jokes about this on campus. And someone called into this radio show and the DJ was bored and started taking more calls upon it. And it sort of spread from there. And, you know, we we, we we literally know the origin of this one and that nobody involved was taking it seriously. And, that, you know, there, there, there are whole reports of, like, people who are, like, talking about how they deliberately pushed it further. Like, someone rang in and said, do you know what, uh, well, I, think, I think it's 90%, it might even be 92% of the coffins in Britain are made from? Norwegian wood. And like literally making up details like that and then going on the record and saying, yeah, I made it up. But still, half a century later, you can go on the Internet and you can find huge reams of information and, and questions about whether Paul McCartney died in 1966. And they replaced him with someone who not only looked like him, but sounded like him and was also one of the greatest songwriters British pop music has ever known, same as him. And it just, it doesn't stack up at all, but there's something quite fascinating about it, even though you know it's nonsense. Yeah, yeah, it, it, absolutely. I guess, because they had quite a high percentage of talented songwriters in one band. How? how oh yeah, which get... is, I mean, yeah. I mean, like that's convenient, isn't it? Who arranged that? <laughs> Yes. So, I mean, that's that. OK, okay. that's close to another thing about conspiracy theorists in that they do believe strongly that they they know. OK, so they've looked into it. They've, they've got a lot more uh, research than than you or I do. They know a lot more than we do. Mm. What's going on there? They love a footnote, don't they? I do think um, so. So, like, I did spend some time looking at the kind of psychology of this stuff, and there's all sorts of factors that go into this. One of which is a thing called proportionality bias, which is like if you think of something like, and hang on, back up a bit. So much of it is like human intelligence is basically pattern matching. 
So like if you are if you are the, the ape in the jungle that can like recognize the tiger in the bushes, you have a better chance of surviving to pass your genes on than the next ape that can't do that. And if you kind of think it through, there is there is more of an evolutionary cost for being the one who doesn't see the tiger than there is for being the one who sees too many tigers, who sees tigers where there are no tigers. So firstly, I think like paranoia is kind of put into us. Secondly, like as I say, it's, it's intelligence is pattern matching. We sort of link causes and effects and therefore work out how to how to use those things. But one result of this is this thing called proportionality bias, where we sort of assume that like a big effect must have had a big cause. So you get something like uh, the JFK assassination, which is obviously this massive moment of national trauma. It doesn't feel enough that like one lunatic with a gun can cause that. It just doesn't fit with our sense of reality. Or something like, you know, COVID, a virus mutates on a bat somewhere in a wet market in Wuhan, probably. And then a year later, none of us are allowed out of their houses. It's like it doesn't it just doesn't fit with our sense of how the universe works. So I think a lot of conspiracy theorizing comes from the attempt to rebalance those scales. So all these things are in the mix. But in terms of like um, you, you were talking about people who've done their research, I think also a big part of it is people want to feel special. They want to feel clever. They want to feel they are the ones with the secret knowledge. I think there is also something that comes from, I don't think it is like a religious impulse, but I think it comes from the same part of us. The urge to be one of the elect, the urge to, to, be, to, to be one of the special people that sees the world as it truly is, um, which I think is, it contributes to why um, it can be quite hard to break people out of this stuff and why they you know why people um why conspiracy theorists love a footnote they won't read your footnotes you know but is there any conspiracy theory uh, okay so obviously not on the batshit crazy level mm. certainly not beyond the whole um there's an anti-semitic level that that, that one goes past is there a, a conspiracy theory that you're in any way attracted to I mean, for me, um, I'm attracted to the JFK one. I don't think it's true, but I'm attracted to it. Yeah, I see that. Um, so this isn't quite... So some a rabbit hole I did get pulled down, which is not really... It's not quite a conspiracy theory, but it is the exact same psychological impulse was I'm, uh, I'm, a, massive, I'm a massive nerd. One of the things I'm particularly nerdy about is Doctor Who of which uh, there are 97 missing episodes from the, from the first few seasons in the 60s. And about a decade ago, a guy called Philip Morris found uh, nine. Before, before this, there were 106 missing episodes. He went out and found nine. But during that period, there were a lot of rumours that he'd found more than nine. He'd found 30 or 40. Um, people were kind of like you get like lists of stories he'd found on like nerd mailing lists. And then you kind of like sort of track it back. You work out where the stories have been sold. And you'd be like, ah, well, the find must've been from Ghana. Whereas probably what had happened was that someone had said he'd made a find in Ghana and they'd listed the stories. Um, you could just see like the exact same, the exact same sort of psychological mechanisms of like, well, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't believe it if they said he found all of them, but 40 seems reasonable. Or like you know, thinking you've you've demonstrated something to your own satisfaction, you got it because you got it from two sources who were getting it from the same person who's talking complete nonsense. I felt like I did get very much pulled down that rabbit hole. It's not a conspiracy theory, but I could, in retrospect, I can see exactly the same psychological impulses in myself. The slightly unnerving thing that happened during the writing of the book 
which I'm going to say up front, I didn't, at no point did I start to believe this, but I did slightly freak out when I interviewed a guy whose name currently escapes me, but who's um, one of the world's uh, sort of most prominent and famous media flat earthers. Like this guy goes around the world to flat earth conferences. And he, like, he's been on like, he went on like Richard and Judy or something to talk about it. And I interviewed him and he was a lovely man. Didn't mind at all kind of like being questioned or laughed at. And it really freaked me out. I couldn't immediately see what was wrong with some of his arguments. Like, I just couldn't, like, so, like, one of them, um, if you take a picture from the top of a mountain at the right kind of day, you can see things on the picture that should be around the curvature of the Earth. They should be out of sight, but they're not. And I couldn't immediately see what was wrong with that argument because it's a it's a complicated thing involving like refraction of the light at that particular time of day is it's not something that makes instinctive sense but because that freaked me out so much that i couldn't just immediately dis dismiss and disprove this guy's ideas i ended up writing about four thousand words i think demonstrating that the earth was a globe and it was in an early draft and and tom gently suggested that i probably didn't need to prove the earth was a globe we could take that as assumed knowledge I'm always fascinated by the flat earth thing because that relies on a number of other conspiracies, doesn't it? Like, for example, we haven't been up into space to prove that it's a... a yeah. Every, every picture from space would have to be a lie. But this is another... So this is actually... Um, this is something else that we found we kept banging into is things you think of as conspiracy theories aren't necessarily... So, like, the idea, like, conspiracy theories in the modern age are very much linked to, to aliens, like Area 51 and Roswell, and the, which two places that people tend to sort of mentally combine, and they're like a thousand miles apart or something. But there is no, you know, it is not inherently conspiratorial to imagine that alien life exists, or indeed that alien life has visited Earth. The conspiracy comes in in the idea that somebody is trying to suppress that knowledge, so the, 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 so that's another reason I think people sometimes get sucked into these these things. People get attracted to conspiracy theories because it explains why something they believe is not is not visible. If that makes sense, I think we ended up calling this implicit conspiracism. Yeah. Also, they kind of come in waves as well. Conspiracy. So at the moment, I don't think anyone's talking about Area Fifty One and, and aliens visiting the planet. Whereas in the nineties. X-Files might have something to do with yeah, it. Yeah, it's huge, yeah. And, and crop circles, of course. Yeah. Well, actually, um, so a couple of things about that. Firstly, in, I think, 2021, the New York Times ran a series of reports which confirmed that the US government not only had been interested in UFOs, it had specifically funded projects to discredit people who were interested in UFOs. You know, some of the paranoia there turned out to be bang on the money. And it wasn't because... It wasn't because the government, the US government believed in aliens or, or let alone had access to alien tech or something. It was because it was worried that, that, you know, it thought maybe the Russians would have secret spy plane technology and they, it wanted to kind of discourage people from, from looking too closely at it because it thought it would generate loads of false reports or something. And it had the exact opposite effect. But there was a, there was a documentary in, I think, 1966 by Walter Cronkite. Well, they funded, they got Walter Cronkite, the, the US, the, the, the well-known American TV anchor who was on TV for decades. 
to 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 front a documentary about how people who believed in in ufos were all kooks um and the, the u.s government was really doing this so it's kind of interesting that like nobody talks about this now now it has turned out that some of this stuff was was actually true um the other bit so i'm very aware i'm just ranting at you here so no 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 um, not at all i'm 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 listening as long as as long as you're happy um you you also mentioned crop circles which we talk about at some length in, in the book it's one of tom's bits uh but the reason we talk about that is because crop circles were a conspiracy theory i remember and we know the name the yeah uh, like we like but do you like remember in the 90s, we, did you, sorry to interrupt you, I know this is very rude of me, but do you, do you know when you were, when you were, you, can you place your back in the night, yourself back in the 90s and did you, what do oh, you I was, I was a kid, I mean, I'm in my early 40s, so like I remember. I'm in my circles. late 40s, so I, I, I genuinely didn't know what caused it. And it turns out to be two blokes with, with a rope with a couple of bricks on the end. And they were like they were they were sitting in a pub in like 1979 and just decided it'd be a laugh, uh, which is why crop circles kept appearing in one particular bit of Wiltshire near to main roads because it was easily accessible. So like, and, and this this became huge. Like there was a there was a guy who was called a serialologist or something, some ridiculous job title like that, who who like some some uh, investigative reporter got to kind of like come out and identify a crop circle, like to look at a real crop circle these guys have done. It was like, yeah, I can verify it. this is definitely the work of aliens. And then they brought out the blokes who's actually done it. And like he genuinely was so embarrassed he'd quit his job and changed his career. Um, <laughs> the thing I find interesting about this is like, we do sort of put crop circles in that kind of like, you know, something weird is going on. Someone is hiding something from us. But we imagine it's aliens. Oh dear, drop the book. We imagine like there's alien life or the government is suppressing something. Or Whereas it was a conspiracy theory. The boring mundane explanation of it being two blokes coming up with the idea in a Wiltshire pub is a conspiracy. But that is not the version of, the, of it that people imagine to be the conspiracy theory, you know? Yeah. So, okay. So I know we've, I've been dancing around the JFK thing. You probably haven't because you dismiss it as idiocy, but I am terribly seduced by it, but I know that I'm pretty uh, as sure as I can be that Lee Harvey Oswald is this is the lone killer, but there are a number of, so for example, we know that the U S government lied to its people throughout, the the fifties and sixties, and then we know about Watergate. Mm -hmm. We know that there, this was a period where conspiracy was was almost, I mean, not commonplace, but it was a thing. And then we now know. So, do you, would you would you think that if someone believed in the JFK conspiracy, they were, I mean, the graph suggests they're not completely batshit crazy. But would you what what's your view on someone who? I'm I'm talking for my friend Tim here, who does the uh, podcast with me. Who's convinced that it's a conspiracy? Um, I mean, firstly, like, and it's sixty percent of Americans. Yeah, exactly. So that's the stat I was looking for. Yeah, like, and and at times it's been like seventy or eighty. I think it's been much higher than that, and I don't think it's ever been below fifty percent. And I don't think all of those people are kind of mad QAnon types. I think what is going on there is like there is a problem in polling more generally that often if people 
can't answer they don't fully understand the question or they can't get their head around it they sort of mentally replace it with an easier one so like i mean think about the brexit referendum where like i think actually if we were honest with ourselves a lot of us in this country had an instinct as to which side would be on that but like could we honestly sort of make an argument a mathematical convincing argument that it was a good idea or not probably most of us could not so instead we were asking we were answering different questions like you know do i like david cameron or like, do I like Nigel Farage? It's like, you know, which tribe do I see myself in? And I think that this 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 JFK polling, I think it performs a similar function. I think it's valuable as like, you know, a barometer for, for levels of broader trust in the US government at any one time. I don't think people necessarily take it entirely literally. The other thing is like, a conspiracy to murder JFK could mean a lot of different things. So, like, at the more extreme ends, you get into, like, you know, was it was he working with the CIA? Was he working with the Russians? Was he was he being funded by Cuba or something? Yeah, you know, I don't like, Lyndon I Johnson. don't, I don't, I'm not interested in the mafia. That's a boring one. No, no, but, but this, it, this be it, could also be, it could also be a conspiracy if Lee Harvey Oswald had one friend. Yes. There's two gunmen. At that point, it is a conspiracy, right? So, like, you know, a conspiracy could mean a lot of different things. So I think like that, I don't think it's necessarily uh, that illuminating a figure. When you see like most Americans have always believed that there was more than one person involved in the JFK assassination. I don't think that tells us very much other than like, that, and, and also there are, there, there are what look like unanswered questions, which I, I think that, I don't think any of them are unanswered. I think like, you know, the magic bullet stuff, which obviously is a big sequence in, in JFK, that's all ex- which which you know it suggests that like for the if there's only was it three shots or four i can't remember but however many shots there are uh for it to be that few one of the bullets has to do some weird thing where it kind of doubles back and like so, which is the magic bullet that's all explained away when you realize that the seats in the car are not in the positions you think they're in because like the governor of texas was sat behind the president slightly lower than him and to the right or something like that. once you know that the magic bullet isn't necessary. It's a straight line. It is just that, you know, we assume things that are not the case. Yeah. I, I, there was another one of these, and I completely lost my train of thought as to what it was going to be. Sorry. What, JFK-wise? <laughs> yeah, there was another thing I was going to explain away, and I can't remember. What it, oh, well, that was it. Um, the other thing is that the US government around that time was hushing, was hushing stuff up. Like, it was not talking about uh, some of the CIA's dodgier activities. Uh, a few years afterwards, the Nixon administration would come to power and would secretly ramp up the Vietnam War without telling anybody, even before it got to Watergate. And, like, when the Warren Commission, which investigated the assassination, reported it did come under pressure from Lyndon Johnson, the guy who succeeded JFK as president, it did come under pressure from Lyndon Johnson to to downplay certain stuff now so far as we can tell the reason for that was because he didn't want uh, certain of the dodgier cia activities to go public he wanted certain things to remain in the dark it had absolutely nothing to do with the assassination itself it was just about like broader sort of government secrecy but this was a point where like that secrecy was first becoming visible and you throw in like you know the the political atmosphere of the late 1960s and the vietnam war and everything and the counterculture and everything else and you just get this and the national trauma of of a president shot live on television essentially and you 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 just get this kind of toxic mix of like people not trusting the official narrative 
I wanted to talk about another American president because I think this chapter in your book is so good on uh, Lincoln and his. So mm. Lincoln, cut and dry, they find the guy pretty soon after the assassination. Yet. Yeah, like dozens of people saw him do it. He jumps onto a stage. <laughs> like, you know, he's, he's very, very visible um, when he shoots the president. Uh, and and like that was a conspiracy as well. Like we know the names of some of the conspirators. I should say, by the way, this this was one of Tom's chapters. So firstly, I don't remember all of the details. And secondly, I should I'm not going to drill you on all the details. But it is interesting mm -hmm. that that I you know if hundred years later, if you had done the same thing, it wouldn't have mattered if Oswald had not been shot by Ruby. I suspect if he'd been gone to the electric chair and executed, because I think Texas had the uh, death uh, um, sentence yeah, at the right. time, we'd be this. We'd be talking about the same thing now, you know. Oh well, he didn't do it, and yet, you know, we had the guy, or I say we, the authorities had the guy in eight, in eighteen sixty four. So yeah, and yet still, like it's all forgotten now because it's been displaced by by the JFK stuff. But after the the Lincoln assassination. There were conspiracy theories about that. And again, it was just at a time of, of of national trauma because like this came at the tail end of the US Civil War. So like uh, and the authorities um massively like the authorities saw a, a conspiracy there as well. Like the US government thought it had been a conspiracy. And like this is this is another recurring theme of the book, actually. It's like we sort of often imagine like conspiracy theorists to be like, unwashed, unshaven men in their parents' basement spending too long at computers and so on. But actually you go through history, there's quite a lot of conspiracy theories that come from elites and governments. Like the uh, and this and this was one of them. Like the US government Despite knowing the name of the, what was the name of the murderer? We should really know this. John say. Wilkes Booth. John Wilkes Booth, thank you. Like, despite the fact they knew John Wilkes Booth, they found his co-conspirators, people in the US government who was desperate for it, for, for the, um, the, the Confederation. Was it Confederation? Confederacy. The Confederates, sorry. The Confederacy, thank you. I'm getting the wrong down. Um, <laughs> there, there, were many people, there, were, there were many people in the US government at that point who were desperate for, for Booth to be an agent of the Confederacy and for him to have assassinated Lincoln on behalf of the South with whom they were at that point at war. And it just wasn't true. But they spent ages trying to sort of manufacture evidence, suggest it was, and bribing witnesses and so on. And I think you can, you know, it's often like, you know, these conspiracy theories just come out of people really, really wanting something to be true for their own political reasons. So, like, I think you can, from some perspective, see the idea that um, Saddam Hussein in the, in the run up to the Iraq War of 2003, you can see the idea that you have weapons of mass destruction that could be launched in a 45 minute time window kind of thing that was also kind of a conspiracy theory in that there wasn't really any evidence for it but again a lot of senior people in the british and american and probably certain other governments were so desperate for it to be true they kind of accidentally summoned that evidence into existence by they all convinced each other of this and that is exactly the same mechanism as we kind of see with with a lot of other conspiracy theories happening online it's just at that point it was nuclear powers doing it I guess the marketing then is really important, isn't it? So, you know, if it's marketed by a government, it's a little, lot more convincing to to the uh, audience. You know, if it's it's people on the internet, it's it's a little less likely to sink home. Yeah, although, I mean, like, I do think, like, 
it went, but went I guess it doesn't become a conspiracy theory if the government's telling you it's a conspiracy. I, I, yeah, we're into that sort of definitional question again. Yeah, I think, yeah Again, this, yeah. Was, this was often in this was often in Tom's bits of the book. Uh, but the reason he Sorry. kept hammering this. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'm just, but I, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm speaking on behalf of my co-writer. But I think the reason he kept hammering this home was specifically because we do sort of imagine conspiracy theorists as as them. It's those weirdos over there. Whereas yeah. that one of the things we really wanted to do with the book was firstly say, actually, if you look at the evidence, we all have the potential to fall for these things. It just depends on finding the right theory and the right context for it the right sort of emotional low point or whatever it may be and the other point we wanted to hammer home was like the people who push conspiracy theories are not always low status it's not actually just the preserve of paranoid losers often you know you get them from from governments or other official bodies as well because the you know the psychological biases that that give rise to them are the same for all of us i'm fascinated by the uh, reality or simulation one which did you, did you uh, was that something you had involvement in in the book? Because I've I read this Philip K. Dick novel, a short story, I think it was. I found it just so powerful. I mean, okay, let's be clear. I don't think we're living in a simulation, but it's intriguing to think about. If we were, so this is a this is a, a this is a, a cul-de-sac which I'm using to cover for the fact I don't really remember this in the book. But if we, I read an we article living... that was linked. So there's a note in your book ah, right, linked okay. to, and then I started reading, and then I did go down a slight wormhole uh, of reality. This of is it. This is how you get sucked into the rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. Um, your your book well, has you... caused me to become yeah. a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> uh, but I do think about this one. Like if it, if we were living in a simulation. Would it make any difference? Actually, like, well, you, I mean, that's a big philosophical question, but like, you know, I have no way of knowing that you're a sentient being. You have no way of knowing that I'm a sentient being. We just take it on trust because, you know, we, we seem to be. But, but, you know, it, yeah, so I just can't kind of work out like what would, would that actually be different? Like, you know, was maybe some sort of, you know, godlike being could switch us off it's like yeah well an asteroid could hit i don't know i'm just i'm just never quite convinced that this is quite as as horrifying of the amount of of ram that would be required to power the computer that could do all this oh yeah but moore's law you know i give it give it a a couple of thousand years we're gonna have a lot of uh yeah presumably at some point you run into the 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 problem that like you have a physical resources limitation don't you anyway this got nothing to do with conspiracy (laughs) theories at all Uh, we've gone down we really have gone down a rabbit hole there Um, we have we have i'm I'm sure that's going into the future is the exact opposite of what this (laughs) entire company is all about so John, this has been really good. I was, I, I think I've covered every, cons- oh, one I wanted, okay, so there are conspiracy theories that we're nearly done here, but there are conspiracy theories right. that were thought to be conspiracy theories and perhaps they're not. So I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm thinking about um, uh, Russian involvement in elections. Yeah. Now there is Russian involvement. There's attempts, aren't there? But it's not really as as quite how it was originally spun. I think people sometimes imagine that, like, like I think we, I think it's on. It's basically around that, like, the Russian government uh, does employ people to to 
mess with with Western elections. And I think there is often a tendency to think like, well, they were trying to throw the referendum to leave. They were trying to throw the, the presidential to Trump. And I think they probably were. But also, I think they're just trying to fuck shit up. I don't think it actually matters. I don't think it's so much that they're after a particular result. I think it's more about the sort of destabilization. Like there's a bit in um in uh, Hannah Arendt, the um what's the book called? Her famous one. The origins of totalitarianism. There's a bit in that which I think about a lot, where she talks about how the purpose of propaganda is not actually to convince people that the propaganda is true. It is to undermine their faith in the concept of truth. Like to just so so that like you know people just are cynical and dismissive of everything, which I think you can see a sort of instinctive grasp of that in the way certain politicians of our recent history have done politics. But I think that was what the Russian sort of troll farm was really about. It was it was about destabilization by just making us all jaded and not trust things, rather than about an attempt to to achieve a particular political goal. The other thing is like there are also a lot of people on the internet who do just tweet like they are bots. Like there's a lot of people who just come across like they're, they're not actually they're not actually proper people. They're just like tweeting such random illiterate nonsense. Like, well, that's a fucking bot, isn't it? And often, no, it's just it is just someone who's like can't spell very well and isn't paying that much attention. You know, probably sort of overrate the extent to which this stuff is happening. But it is happening. I'm always intrigued as to what these bots are. Are they people who are just told to tweet stuff or is it a machine doing it? Is it AI, you know, like a program that's running it? Um, I think so. This is on the edge of my knowledge, but as I understand it, often it will be people like it will be largely automated, but there are people there who can step in if like an actual conversation happens. So like maybe the first tweets are automated or like the first couple of responses, but like that, but there will be people there who can kind of like add extra details and so on if required, I think, but I'm slightly on the edge of my knowledge here. Are we now, I mean, we're coming to the end. Are we now, are we more prone to conspiracy than ever? Do you think? I think it goes in waves. I think you can, you can, so like, as I seem to recall that we, like we, the, the earliest conspiracy theory we could find for the book uh, there may have been earlier ones but the earliest one we could find and that we write about was the um death of the roman general germanicus uh who who viewers of the bbc's i claudius will remember is his hunky older brother who dies on campaign somewhere in syria or something in i can't remember it's like 31 CE or something like that but who like it's not clear why he dies and he's lying in his deathbed for so long that he has time to start two conspiracy theories about his own death, uh, accusing different people of having murdered him. Uh, and he may, have been, he may have been poisoned, but he may also have just had cancer or something. We don't get it's impossible to know 2,000 years on. But we included that to kind of point out like quite how back this stuff goes. Or the blood libel, the idea that um, Jewish communities use, use the blood of Christian babies in their ritual, which is like one of the oldest anti-Semitic slurs originate somewhere off the, Nor- the Norwich Ring Road in the 12th century. Uh, and there's, again, it's a literal conspiracy theory. We can point to the particular conspirators. So this stuff has always been there. I do think we've been through a particularly big age for it the past few, but even like, I mean, so there's a lot of it in the late 60s and 70s. Uh, and then I think it kind of fades for a bit. In the 90s, there's kind of this sort of kitschy interest in it, but it's like, it is the X-Files thing. It's like people are interested in it. People don't necessarily believe it. And then the internet gets going and it kind of surges again. I think to some extent it, it relates to um, broader feelings of 
physical or financial insecurity, like when things are going wrong, it is easier to have somebody to blame and to think, well, it's like, you know, my business is going under. It's probably because of uh, I don't know, the immigrants or the Jews or the Jesuits, uh, rather than just like broader economic forces over which nobody has any control uh, have just screwed me over. Like some, some, some bank in Iceland made a, made a bad bet and now suddenly my business is going under. That's not a satisfying narrative, whereas having someone to blame is. So, so these things do tend to kind of go in waves. I do think, though, the, the internet and social media has, has kind of led to a particular spike of this stuff, partially because it's made it much easier to get information um, which may um, partly partly because it's undermined our ability to tell whether that information is accurate. Like you know, we can't tell whether we're looking at. You can't always see immediately whether you're looking at something that's been reported in depth and fact checked, or whether it's just been made up by a bloke somewhere. But also, it's made it easier to to get organised. Like once, if you were, you know, if you were a flat earther in I don't know Luton or Chelmsford or some other kind of mid-sized town, you probably weren't going to tell anyone you're a flat earther because you knew people would laugh at you for it. Whereas like now you can find the other flat earthers in your town and you can all go to a pub and you can start campaigning and so on. You know, so it's just made it in the same way. I think the internet has made it easier to be I know gay in a small town because you can find you can find the other gay people in your small town. You can you can connect with people who share your interests. Those interests are not always positive. They can also be conspiratorial nonsense and anti-Semitism and so on. Your mention of antiquity pleases me because there is a conspiracy theory around Alexander the Great, isn't there? You know, either his father's death or his own, which I'll I'll um, I'll let the listeners linger on. But this has been fantastic, John, <laughs> and particularly uh, recommend. Well, thank you very much. Perfect stocking filler. This is ideal stuff. I really enjoyed the book. So thank you for coming on. It's really been fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. This has been fun. Thanks very much for listening. Links are in the show notes. Please, please share, rate and review. But until next time, thank you and good night. <laughs>